Hi, everyone. This is Jim McCarty. Welcome you to the LL Research Podcast in the Now, episode number 20. LL Research is a nonprofit organization dedicated to freely sharing spiritually oriented information and fostering community. And toward this end has two websites, the archive website, llresearch.org, and the community website, bringforth.org. During each episode, those of us at LL Research form a panel to consider questions from spiritual seekers. Our panel consists of Gary Bean, the director of LL Research, and Austin Bridges, the assistant director of LL Research, along with myself, husband to the late Carla L. Rucker, scribe for The Raw Contact, and president of LL Research each of us a devoted seeker and student of the Law of One. We will be discussing questions that are sent to us from spiritual seekers around the globe. Our replies to these questions are not final or authoritative. Instead, they are generally subjective interpretations stemming from our own studies and life experiences. We intend this podcast to be a platform of discussion as we consider questions that often challenge us to articulate our own perspective. We always ask each who listens to to exercise his own discernment and listen for her own resonance in determining what is true for him or her. If you would like to submit a question for this show, please do so. Our humble podcast relies on your questions. You may either send an email to contact at llresearch.org or go to www.llresearch.org forward slash podcast for further instructions. Again, I'm Jim McCarty, and we are embarking on a new episode of LL Research's weekly podcast, In the Now. Is everybody here and ready to go? I am here and ready to go. I am ready. All right. Our first question is from Jeremy via Bring Forth. And it's on the subject of politics, which is quite timely since we've just had elections around the country. Politics is a huge source of catalyst for me. I've loathed the feeling of control or manipulation from an early age. As I come to terms with this temperament, it leads me to wonder about y'all's thoughts on politics. Is there not an inherent tension in a republic such as ours between acceptance and resistance? On the one hand, Exercising oversight upon the government and its agents is not simply a virtue in our system, it is critical to its healthy functioning. So in some sense, we are called to be adversarial and resist policies, laws, agendas that go counter to what what we perceive as a proper balance, at least if we choose not to abdicate this duty of citizenship utterly. On the other hand, it is vital that we practice acceptance, and politics too often resembles battle with perceived enemies that doesn't seem entirely in line with the law of one philosophy. Yet, there is a role for the battle and the clash of opposing views built into the very political order. How do we accept those who would steer politics in directions that we believe to be unhealthy? How do we accept their successes without abdicating our role of participation? How would you guys square this circle? Thanks. Gary, how would you like to square the circle for us? (laughs) (laughs) I would square it um, with a, per the usual, um, long-form reply. And um, start by noting that uh, obviously you're not just asking about politics on its own level, but how and where politics and spirituality intersect and how one views the political landscape from the spiritual vantage point as articulated, of course, by the law of one. Um, this is a really tough question. And uh, I break my reply into two parts, uh, acceptance and action. And to start with acceptance, um, I, you're not looking for ultimate answers, of course, but how I or we um, square the circle. So I would start with meditating on acceptance itself. What does acceptance mean? 
what is it that is accepted? Do you practice acceptance on a daily basis? I think that the best answer is going to arise out of that line of contemplation, really coming to terms with what acceptance means and what it is. Um, Personally, I see acceptance as a doorway to a vision or a state of awareness, a vision that no matter what the surface appearances sees nothing but wholeness, completeness, and perfection. I think you take acceptance to its maximum and to its intended destination, and that's what you're going to see when you look out at the world, wholeness, completeness, and perfection. If in your vision you see something other than wholeness, completeness, and perfection, that's fine, but uh, that's indicative that there is some resistance to the present moment, that you're missing the present moment. Uh, You are identified with conditioning and with mental positions and with concepts and with time itself. But then, so how do you arrive at that vision of wholeness, completeness and and perfection except by acceptance? And what is acceptance but surrendering resistance to what is? Um, What does it mean to surrender resistance to what is? That is something that must be lived in practice, of course, but um, if you want a good guide on that question, who focuses on it better than any other, I would highly recommend Eckhart Tolle. Uh, In short, one way to communicate that surrendered acceptance is to say that regardless of human opinion about this situation, the situation is. By the time it meets your awareness, it has already come into existence. It exists. It exists only because the creator decided to know itself and created everything and everyone we know and experience. It exists not outside of the creator or separate from the creator, but within and as the creator. Nothing can happen upon that stage which deviates from the creator's will, including, as absolutely broken and awful as they often are, politics. Um, So when you look upon corrupt governments and shady politicians and all those who would consciously or unconsciously infringe upon the free will of others, practice surrendering resistance to what is. Uh, Practice opening the heart and tipping the hat to the creator's universe in all of its glory. Give praise to that creator, (laughs) specifically as you're looking at government. Acceptance to me is a is a state of higher awareness. It is the yes that begins the transcendence of an illusion predicated upon a fundamental no. So that's the first half of my answer uh, on uh, a reflection on what acceptance is. But then your question says, what about action? How do we respond? What do we do? Um, I agree with you that vigilance is required to check those who would wield and abuse the reins of power. Uh, Governments without citizen oversight will probably invariably begin amassing and misusing power. But how do acceptance and action intersect? Um, This question comes up in Tolle's work uh, as well. There's one Q&A in particular I'm thinking of where somebody asked him this exactly. Um, if I am surrendering resistance, if I am accepting, how do I stand up for change? Why do, how do I even have motivation to make a change? Um, I don't, I I wish I could know where his exact answer was, but, um, 
based upon what I recall uh, with my own thinking, combined with my own thinking, uh, acceptance doesn't mean that discernment has come to an end, nor does it mean that wisdom has become unavailable. To the contrary, true discernment and high wisdom are clarified by acceptance and empowered by acceptance. And in that discernment, the entity's vision is clarified. Looking out upon the world then with clear eyes, eyes that recognize that all is one, it becomes clear what actions may need taken and most importantly, the how of those actions how those actions are taken. Um, Another important way that acceptance and action intersect is that the entity becomes careful not to have too much attachment to outcome. There really are no attachments to outcome in eternity philosophies. Um, Finally, Ra speaks to the paradox of having loving acceptance of other selves, despite what they may be doing, um, other selves with whom you do not resonate and at the and sending them love and light, wishing them joy, but rejecting their service in 67.11. Um, I'll just read the first paragraph of that Q&A. Ra says, you do not have merely two opposite requests for service. You will find an infinite array of contradictory requests for information or lack of information from this source, if you listen carefully to those whose voices you may hear. This is all one voice to which you resonate upon a certain frequency. This frequency determines your choice of service to the one creator. Um, the rest of that Q&A doesn't completely resolve the question, how does a positively polarizing entity relate to earthly politics? But it does point the entity in the direction, the right direction, I think. And thus concludes my uh, long reply. Back oh. to you, back good to job, the host. Gary. Yeah, that was a good job. Uh, Austin, how about you? What have you got to say here on the square circle? Well, the issue with um, how Gary and I approach these questions and preparing them beforehand is that sometimes we can come up with very similar answers <laughs> and it uh, doesn't leave much room for improvisation. Uh, but I'll go ahead and just give what I said because it is a little different. But first, I want to point out, at least it's important to me to point out, that in discussions like these, when we cite material from the Confederation, we aren't looking to this information as a source of political guidance or a set of political guidelines for how to act in the political spectrum. And I don't think that the Confederation would like us using them in that way. Instead, I think when discussing politics in light of this information, it's helpful to explore or the information is helping us to explore our true selves and how we can relate to the political sphere. Um, I think it's important to use this information as a way of knowing the self rather than as guidelines for behavior. With that said, my answer uh, is approaching Jeremy's question from the same uh, angle as Gary in that it seems like Jeremy is equating acceptance as non-action in a way. And I'm not going to claim to have a full grasp of this paradox because I don't, and I don't think that it's necessarily correct to view acceptance as incompatible with action. In a political context, I feel acceptance is an attempt to understand a person, a behavior, a mindset, or in this case, political parties or activities that we feel are incompatible with the greater good or with how we feel 
would be a harmonious outer environment. There was a recent daily quote that was posted on Bring Forth that I think is relevant here, and it comes from a transcript from January 1st, 1987. And Kuo said, We urge you to go within your mind into each and every corner of consciousness, examining, accepting, and blessing every disharmony which your body complex seems to fit for you. Herein is the cradle of destruction, the human's heart and mind, when the full consciousness of your kind is not acknowledged and disciplined. We do not urge you to behave in what you perceive as a dark or selfish manner, but only to perceive the logic of such behavior. You shall find peace to come more easily when the enemy within which is within you is carefully understood. Like Jeremy said, politics often seems like a battle with perceived enemies, and in that quote, Kuo is urging us to explore and accept the enemy within us. This is a classic idea of the shadow self, the idea that we contain all things, and when we become emotionally charged by people or actions, it's because we are uneasy with the potential for those behaviors within us. We may consciously choose to act differently, but if we are projecting our emotional baggage outwards instead of acknowledging the enemy within us, we can start to exhibit these types of behaviors unconsciously. If we are acting, whether politically or in any other sense, without an attempt to understand or accept, I feel that this causes a sort of internal or external disharmony. It is the reason behind the polarization of politics and nearly all political topics, I think. Two sides do battle without any attempt to understand each other, any attempt to understand the other opinions, any attempt to find any common ground at all, and just project their emotional disease uh, outward and just attack it as if it were a demon. When political action is taken as an act of defense or attack, then I think that it lacks the acceptance and understanding that we're seeking. But that doesn't mean that political action can't be taken out of love rather than combativeness. There are a couple passages from the raw material that I'd use to uh, drive home my point. The first being from session 34, question 9, Ra said, The societal and self-interactions most often concentrate upon the second and third energy centers. Thus, those most active in attempting to remake or alter the society are those working from feelings of being correct personally or of having answers which will put power in a more correct configuration. This may be seen to be of a full travel from negative to positive in orientation. Either will activate these energy ray centers. There are some few whose desire to aid society are of a green ray nature or above. These entities, however, are few due to the understanding, may we say, of fourth ray that universal love freely given is more to be desired than principalities or even the rearrangement of peoples or political structures. The key to me in that quote is that those who attempt to remake or alter society from the second or third energy centers may seem to be of a full travel from negative to positive in orientation, meaning it is not an inherently negative thing and can be a positive thing to operate from those energy centers and attempt to reconfigure society. And then in session 102, uh, question 11, Ross said, Each entity must, in order to completely unblock Yellow Ray, love all which are in relationship to it, with hope only of the other self's joy, peace, and comfort. 
So in a positive being to unblock the yellow ray completely, love and hope for joy, peace and comfort of those is required. I do think that political action can be taken from this standpoint. If you are acting politically in a way that you are trying to promote the peace and comfort and love of other beings, then I think that you are acting politically in a positive sense. And it doesn't mean that just because it is a uh, second or third or orange or yellow reaction means that it's necessarily negative. The All of the energy centers are important in a positive being. And um, there is a balance that you can find in acting within the yellow ray and still having a uh, open green ray acceptance. And I think that the resistance of the process of acting politically from this standpoint is that great catalyst that we're here to experience. Uh, I don't think that just because we have difficulties within this spectrum within ourselves or externally means that it's inherently flawed. I think that it means that this environment is working perfectly to offer us the catalyst we need to grow. So that's how I so called Square the Circle. Okay, very good, Austin. Um, just to vote for the, everybody else here, I have a, a third opinion that is very similar to yours. But I got it from this morning out of a coincidental reading in a Wanderer's Handbook because I was making the audiobook this morning in Chapter 8, Section Number 5. Carla's talking about the healing of the incarnation. And I will quote from Carla. She says, certainly many times our present moment is most acceptable and pleasant. The challenge comes when this particular present moment seems painful, hurtful, challenging, or just plain wrong. However, the logic is clear. We are creatures of love made of light. We are sparks of the creator. These are two ways of saying that we are universal beings. We are all that there is in one package, each of us containing all. So no matter what is happening to us, it is flowing directly from the heart of our sins and our destiny, no matter how unfortunate it may seem. So many times when there is something that we are resisting in life, if we look carefully, we can see that it is an old issue, the return of a theme that has come up before, whether once or many times. The simple truth is that resisting something that is attempting to teach us is futile. We do not have to be of a certain mind as we come into acceptance of this catalyst. But we do need to see that coming into an acceptance relationship with the issue itself and determining how we can cooperate with the lesson involved is the only way that will serve to move us forward on our paths. If we run from one version of a problem, it will just crop up in a difficult and probably uh, more different form. So if you accept my definition of politics as the way groups of people make decisions, we have politics everywhere in our life, from the very beginning in our family to at school, how uh, decisions are made at school, to church and the various politics that goes into the, the service and uh, what's happening with the uh, fellowship hall, uh, to work where there's politics of the office, to any special interest group that you belong to. There's how people organize and get together. So this is going to come back to us every time we turn around and are in a group of people. So I think that what uh, both you and uh, Austin and Gary have said about being able to accept what seems unacceptable is what we really need to be working on. Of course, we can also do what can be done. We can um, campaign for our point of view. We can pass out flyers. We can write letters to the editor. We can put signs in our yard. We can speak on television. 
we can go vote, uh, we can do whatever is possible. But when it's all said and done, and, and usually I think it's a good idea to try to do things without a strong dedication to an outcome, but just try to present a reasonable point of view and do it as lovingly as possible. Because realize we're talking to the creator. Every time we speak to anybody, we're talking to the creator. And we need to see a little larger picture that this person or group or policy is here to help teach us something. And it may teach different people different things, depending upon how we respond to it. So after you've done everything you can do and have uh, allowed the, uh, the, the gods of politics to have their say, then we go about our way of living our life with as much equanimity and acceptance and love as possible. I remember a book, I think Gary's also read it, uh, Victor Frankl's The Man's Search for Meaning. Mm-hmm. In that book, he talks about people who've been sent to concentration camps. They had everything they had taken away from them, every possession, every freedom, every one they loved. But there was one thing left, and that was what they thought about it all and how they responded. So we always have that choice. We can decide how we want to respond. And I think that the way that we're all shooting for and hoping to reach is uh, uh, all-compassionate, unconditional love. Love for uh, everyone that's in the process, love for every part of the process, and love for ourselves. Uh, that's what all of this is supposed to be for. Once we go through all of the third density, the, the whole idea is to, is to come out with an enhanced sense of love for all of the creation, all of the creator that has presented itself to us in this incarnation in every way you could imagine and in a whole bunch of them you couldn't imagine. So, that's what I had to say about that. Um, just a reaffirmation of what's already been said. Anybody want to say it again <laughs> or anything uh, a little different? I, I do want to um, tip my hat to you too. You guys are um, awesome. <laughs> I wish I had a better word right now, but that's the one that's coming up in my brain. <laughs> I'll take awesome. And uh, with a capital A, no less. Um, I, and I did want to add a, a tiny enhancement to the discussion that is also in harmony with both of your thoughts um, about that. I think harmony is a better word. I don't think we duplicate each other's um, replies, really. Um, we have different texts that are in strong harmony with one another, and I, I think they make music. So, But um, the enhancement I wanted to add was that uh, both of you were describing how how um, one can take political action from a standpoint of of love. And uh, Austin read the quote about um, wishing each other self um, love, joy, and peace, and so forth. Um, one way to en- enhance that thought is to see those other selves and literally call them your brother and your sister. Um, starting from the standpoint that you are battling with enemies – by definition, that does work for a certain state of consciousness. Someone you can have enemies and who who have wills that oppose your own or want to do you harm and so forth. But there are higher vantage points, higher stages of consciousness, wherein you see that same entity who may really want to intentionally do you harm and you see them as a brother or a sister, a brother you may disagree with to the bone, um, but... The, the ultimate reality is that you're one with them. Um, brother is even still a little bit of an illusion, but it moves closer to the actual situation. You can't undo your oneness with these other selves. Um, you are one with them. What you can do is engage in illusions and forget that and obscure that and ignore that. 
But um, if you at least intellectually recognize that you're one with them and they are your brothers and sisters, then why not then begin doing the work in consciousness to move towards that direction and embracing the greater reality? And one tiny way to do that is to see them as brother and sister and even use those terms internally, at least. I think it begins a, a process of opening the heart. That's all. Yeah, a great way Thank to you. get rid of your enemies is to make them friends. Yeah. <laughs> Destroy every one of them. Yeah. <laughs> Austin, <clears throat> any last comments? Uh, no, that's what Martin Luther King said, though, right? Is uh, If you love your enemy, they become your friend or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Okay, I think we've got time here for one more question, or at least part of a question from Seeking One via Bring Forth. Uh, starts by saying, thank you very much for these podcasts. I've been away for a while now. It's wonderful catching up by listening to you all on my trip to work every day. Two questions. Number one, I just finished episode 18 and had a follow-up question regarding tuning and staying focused on the creator. You mentioned a few tips you use while in the office, and I wonder if you have any others to share. Funny enough, I've also been using a similar auto-reminder for a while now, but it sure is easy to ignore. Smile. Mm -hmm. Austin, uh, what do you do to remind yourself that you're... uh, a portion of the creator um well first of all thank you sinking one for that feedback it's uh, very inspiring to receive feedback like that and just to clarify what he's talking about in episode 18 we talked about how we set sort of a sometimes uh, we fall out of the habit but we set a timer in the office to go off at intermittent times or randomly and then take the timer as a cue to have a few moments of uh, silence and point ourselves inward and try to ground ourselves again. So beyond that, some tips that uh, are some things that I have done and used um, to help point myself inward and uh, seek the creator in the moment. The first one is something that I learned from... um, I think you pronounce his name Thich Nhat Hanh. He's a very famous Buddhist writer, and he's very great at explaining Buddhist concepts to the Western world in a very simple way. And one of the things that he talked about was in any given moment, you can take something from your environment and sort of trace all of the infinite connections that thing has taken to get to that moment, to be with you in that moment. Uh, An example I would give is... Uh, During our Saturday public meditations, we always tune with a song. And this past Saturday, it struck me to uh, figure out what it took for that song to get to us in this meditative circle while we were listening to it. And you can go so deep into the universe that it is mind-boggling. You can start with just the technology behind the CD the people who made the CD that the music is recorded on, the people who made the actual CD player, the people who invented the CD and the CD player. And, you know, these people are spread out all over the world, all over time. Then you can go into the person who recorded the song, the person who made their instrument, the person who mixed the song. Those are just like the first level. You can start tracing those back. And it's just an infinite array of this web of connections that has culminated into the present moment to allow you to experience what you're experiencing. And you can do that at any time with anything in your environment and find the same infinite web of interconnectedness in every single moment. And doing that, for me at least, helps uh, really put me in this feeling of connectedness with everything around me and really appreciate how much 
the world does to give us each and every moment that we have. And another thing that I've sort of developed um, using a tip that I've heard for lucid dreaming and uh, altering it slightly is to kind of set triggers for doing this, similar to the alarm that we were talking about or the uh, reminder in the office, but instead use things that you do normally, like uh, walking through a doorway and get into the habit of each time you walk under a doorway, just turn yourself inward, uh, start thinking of the creator in that moment every single time you walk through the doorway and start thinking of appreciation. And eventually, what happens is it becomes an automatic response. It becomes a habit to where instead of having to consciously think as you walk under the door to turn to the creator, it sort of becomes automatic where you walk under the door and all of a sudden you enter that state. Or you could do something like each time the phone rings, before you answer it, just take a moment and uh, consciously realize that when you pick up the phone, it's the creator on the other end of the line. Uh, no matter who it is that's calling, whether it's a telemarketer or your best friend, uh, you are about to talk to the creator. And if you get into the habit of that, that becomes uh, an automatic response. And each time you maybe drink a glass of water, think the glass of water, uh, think about everything that it took for the world to give you a clean glass of water. There's an immense amount of work and technology that goes into us having drinkable water. It's incredible. And you can really launch into this uh, rampage of appreciation. I think that's what – there's a channel called Abraham that says that. I think it's a rampage of appreciation. Uh, if you think about just what goes into giving you everything you have in the moment and uh, it can become a habit if you do it often enough and set triggers to uh, launch into that state. Okay, very good, Austin. Uh, Gary, how about you? What do you do to remember the creator? So, uh, th thank you, Seeking One, again, for that positive feedback. And um, thank you for this question because, like Austin said, we have fallen out of that habit. Um, so, if you wouldn't mind just occasionally writing us and asking if we're <laughs> still using this meditation technique because we forget about it ourselves. That's the trouble with so much discipline. It's just that, uh, such a um, variety of um, catalysts that greets us each day that it's hard to keep certain practices going. Um, I look, uh, Jim and Carl are the, the only two people I know who are, not. Nah, I shouldn't say only people, but two of the best examples of people who find a ritual or a discipline and somehow against all odds keep that ritual going day in and day out they're masters at that um and i think that's really important but in terms of what we do at the office in addition to that um uh, timer thing i'll say office slash house because this is a, a a home too um there's a section a room in the house that we call the office where we work at the computers but um uh, on some, at least one of the remaining mirrors, maybe it's on the other two, um, we have written a, a text banner above the mirror that says, see the creator. So if you're mindful enough to look into the mirror and see that and then perform the practice, you're uh, reminded to see the creator as you look into the mirror. Uh, we have um, labels on the faucets that say thank you. 
as a reminder to um, thank the water that you're receiving. And uh, Austin's uh, suggestion is sounds like a wonderful practice as well um, <clears throat> that really would deepen that um, enormously so and lead to states of contemplation of, of wonder and appreciation. Um, but I think that one of the greatest aids that we use here at LL Research um, is each other. Uh, each and every day, without exception, um, Austin, Jim, and I seek to support one another, to be kind to one another, and to keep a very finely tuned harmony. And on the rare occasion that interpersonal catalyst subtly disrupts that harmony, um, we either do the internal balancing necessary to restore harmony, or we um, open the lines of communication, which actually is a little bit more difficult for the three of us as we tend to prefer, or we tend to prefer avoiding anything that may uh, look like confrontation. Um, Carla was really helpful to us in that regard because no matter what the situation, she did not have that um, reluctance to engage. If something was on her radar, she got like was like an arrow shot directly at it, got straight to it and would talk it out. Um, and we, we keep our environment uh, physically clean and a good working order and organization and uh, we chip in 110%. And I think these, these ways of relating to one another are really helpful um, reminders of the, the spiritual life and, and what's possible in group work. And they help create the space, at least, for appreciation and love and joy to enter the equation. Thank you for your question-seeking one. Yeah, good answer, Gary. Um, I've got a number of projects that I'm working on now. Um, I do audiobook recording uh, one or two times per day, and I one or two times per day I work in the uh, library cataloging project upstairs in the office. And I also recently added the uh, indexing project. Whenever I have a project like this and I'm ready to commence working on it for the period of time, I usually take a few moments to meditate. This is an idea that I've gotten from uh, Joel Goldsmith's book, The Art of Meditation, where he suggests a number of small meditations throughout the day just to kind of help strengthen the meditative muscle, you might say. And when I'm finished with that episode of the project, usually it's somewhere after an hour, I try to meditate a little bit after that too. So before and after each uh, endeavor, each project, I try to spend some time in meditation. And it's not really pointed toward the project itself, although I'm sure the project that I'm working on, whatever it is, is probably enhanced um, by my having meditated before. But the idea is to continually remind myself that what I really want to do um, more than anything else in this life is to become one with the Creator. So those little moments of meditation are chances to uh, speak to or more likely listen to the Creator. So uh, that's just because I'm, I'm more practical. I like to uh, do other things throughout the day. Like Gary said, I'm uh, sorry, <laughs> OCD, I guess. Not, not my words, but <laughs> ritualistic is the word. Ritualistic. Carla said I was the most ritualistic person she ever met. Well, so rituals do help. Rituals, I think, you know, that's why we do rituals in church and uh, white magical rituals help provide protection for rooms and create changes in consciousness and uh, rituals are very helpful. Is there anything else we'd like to say about this particular topic? I think we're about at the end of our program. 
Uh, just to really briefly reaffirm what Jim was saying about um, – I didn't realize how extensive Jim's tuning was before projects and it's a habit I would enjoy getting into that is meditating prior to a project. But I wanted to say also our group work we will um, tune before. For instance, this show, we tune before the show by uh, – Jim leads us in meditation and uh, says prayer St. Francis and then uh, we t- together say the Lord's Prayer um, similar – um, before the weekly public meditations, we had to do a tuning as well. But yeah, just to emphasize that and say that's a, another really helpful means. And then that's it for me. Thanks. Hey, Austin, last thoughts? Um, I did have a random thought, not directly related to this, but I've noticed that in this show, we've each referenced material outside of our own little realm of Confederation material. And so I would also suggest that just reading other people, reading other material. Uh, there is lots out there that gives great information about meditation and the mystical heart of seeking that um, if you just keep expanding your knowledge and consciousness, you find these new tips and tricks and new understandings to approach your life. And I think it's really good to have a really broad spectrum of uh, reading and understanding to draw from. That's all. Well said. Okay, you've been listening to LL Research's weekly podcast, In the Now. If you've enjoyed the show, please visit our websites, llresearch.org and bringforth.org. Thanks so much for listening, and a special thank you to those who submitted questions. If you'd like to send us a question for use before the next show, please read the instructions on our page at www.llresearch.org forward slash podcast. New episodes are published to the archive website every Wednesday at 1 p.m. We love you all very much. Have a wonderful week. (laughs) 